Welcome to the Three Thirds Mike One Third Scouts podcast. It is episode number 13, and I'm joined by my fellow podcasters, Mr. Ross Smith and Mr. Simon Mann. How are we doing? Very Hello. well. Very well. How are you doing, Cheesy? Oh, I'm, I'm on cloud nine still. Yeah. Every, every day is a wonderful day. I was certain you'd be slurring your words because you, you've, so you've just drank champagne, haven't you, for the last two weeks? Uh, no soft drinks, just maybe quite a lot of apple juice, but not all the grape juice, but not so much champagne. No champagne, it's Lambrini, remember? <laughs> non non-alco- alcoholic Lambrini. Although I have I have discovered kiwi and lime old moot cider, so I've had, I've had quite a few bottles of that in the last week in the last week or so. So not not like staggering around too many bottles, but I've had uh, I've bought some few bottles last the one we've been shopping so. But no, life is good. Life is good. Yeah. I can nothing at work spoil your mood. Um, or do you do you respond to every naughty customer with a big smile on your face <laughs> these days? I mean, I I, I normally I think for I think one of the Champions League finals, it must have been it mustn't have been last year, it must have been the year before when we played Madrid. I took my Liverpool scarf into work and put it in the office just to annoy people. And obviously we got beat, so I've not done any of that because I thought I won't wear, I'm not going to wear my shirt. I won't put my scarf in the car or anything like that. I won't buy a flag or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I've just been, I've just, anything that's happened with football has not mattered one jot because we won the league. <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> and all of a sudden I was, uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I was like, oh, we need to get over hundred points. We need to win every game. I don't actually think I care whether we score another goal this season. I mean, I find, I think, I think you did care until you got battered by City <laughs> after you'd won the league, didn't you? I mean, I mean, to be fair, we've won the league and then we got battered by City and we were absolutely horrific on Sunday for about 70 minutes um, until um, until Firmino came on and he made a few other changes as well. We just, we just did not look at anywhere near at the races. Um, and then for a Sunday afternoon, like obviously with what happened with Manchester City for later on, I was like, oh, I feel... I don't feel as bad as I as I felt, but then on the other hand, United feel like the United are the form team in the league. Oh, it's a great time to be alive, mate! Great time to be what? alive. Oh, so where where were you when you found out Liverpool had won the title? It was on a, it was a midweek, wasn't it? Was it Tuesday? It was because th- yeah, uh, Chelsea beat City, City, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, it was the Thursday night. So originally, I wasn't going to originally I wasn't even going to watch it, um, and it was only I think it was I think I was off on the Thursday, and I'd realised that it was on BT, so I thought like, I'll watch it on my phone. And first half didn't really mean anything. I think City played. City still played really well. Could have could have been in in the lead, but obviously went behind. Um, and then De Bruyne scored, I think, early in the second half, and Sterling hit the post like thirty seconds later. And I was like, oh, I'll just I'll leave this on, but I think I know what's gonna what's gonna happen. And City will end, City will end up winning, and it'll just go to the the game that the Etihad. And then all of a sudden, like Chelsea get this breakaway. Abraham shouts. Obviously, there's no crowd in there, so it's, it's only him that shouted for the handball. And I was like. I wonder what he's shouting for. Nobody else has said anything. And then it obviously shows and Fernandinho gives away the penalty, gets sent off. And all of a sudden, once I think it was William scored the penalty, I was like, oh my God, we're, we're potentially going to win the league in 12 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, I was just, for the next like hour and a half, I was just in an absolute daze. So I think we, I think the final whistle went and I don't even think I remember doing anything. Like I didn't. I didn't. I thought I'd be running down the street. I thought I'd run to my mum and dad's. I thought I would. I thought I'd be running around all over the place. And I just I was in complete and utter state of shock. I think after about fifteen, 
10 or 15 minutes of the final whistle, um, I'd watched a couple of videos on YouTube. I think Liverpool had put out, or BT had put out, floods of tears in the kitchen, didn't know what to do with myself. Um, and then I just, I couldn't take, because I was watching BT on my phone, and I, like, I, I can't remember what Ashley was watching. Ashley was watching some on the telly, and I, I thought, I won't disturb her, I'll just leave her. And I was just trying to get all this information in all these different videos from all these different channels <laughs> that put open, like stuff that was going on because I saw the Liverpool players that were in the hotel together. So they were putting stuff out. And I was just flicking from video to video. And just, I think an hour and a half had just gone by and we just stood in the kitchen just with my phone on charge, just flicking from video to video. I was like, I was just in complete another days. I could not, I couldn't believe it. Any part of you tempted to drive to Anfield? No, I didn't. I didn't quite get that. I, it was a bit disappointing that all that had happened, and I think Ross, you'd said at a time when BT started to show it. As soon as it's, it's almost that thing of once one person's there, everybody else then is allowed to go, and more people will go. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I don't. I think more people would have just gone anyway. I don't think it would have mattered. But as soon as I you mean, put look, it on, as soon as you yeah, put it on the telly, that's what I mean. I, like, I, I can understand why people wanted to go because obviously, like, first time in thirty years or whatever, and then you obviously don't want to celebrate just in your own kitchen, do you? Like, I know you did, but like you, yeah. like, you want to have a, you want to have a proper celebration and be right. Like any other league title in any, even if you've not won it for however many years, you everyone would go in the street and do something, wouldn't they? Like it'd, it'd be a bit more special. Yeah. So kind of understand it, but then we were still under lockdown restrictions, weren't we? And I just thought it does seem a little irresponsible from BT to start advertising the fact that people are outside Anfield and, and then, and then, yeah. Because in hindsight, what I, when I, I thought about this, I thought about it before I went to sleep, and I was like, I should have when um, when Chelsea scored the second goal, I should have just gone around to mum and dad and stayed there because for the last twenty years, for the last however long it is that we've potentially been been absolutely shy and not won the league or got very close to winning the league. My mum and dad have bore the absolute brunt of me being in a foul mood when, <laughs> when not winning, we've not been able to, or we've thrown the league away, or United have scored a goal in injury time, or we've missed it by a couple of points, or whatever's happened. And I was like, I should have been there with just a massive smile on my face, just a big cheesy grin. But yeah, and then like I went into work the day after, and there's, and there's not really anybody that really likes football in work. So it was that same thing again, where like wherever I've really worked, whenever Liverpool have won anything, I've not really spoke to anybody about it the day after because nobody really cares. <laughs> well, this to me has one of been the few highlights of the fact that I can accept it because after the day happened and you saw all the pictures and everyone at Anfield and then all the other things, because I haven't been going to work and it's been limited numbers at work, I haven't really been able to speak to anyone about it. So it's almost as if like, it's never happened. It's never happened. So genuinely, last week when we didn't do the show, and then uh, you were talking about because Simon, you t- you text saying, "Yeah, it's been quite a slow news week anyway, hasn't it?" <laughs> and this only thing, and I genuinely forgot that Liverpool had won the title. So I was thinking, "Yeah, it has actually." So it's quite good we're not doing. <laughs> well, it got it got to the point last week where I was like, I was like, Liverpool have won the league, and Ross has kiboshed everything. I'm like, we're not. I thought I've just. <laughs> I thought, I'm just going to recover the press record. I'm going to sit in my kitchen. I'm just going to, I'm just going to talk and talk and talk for for about an hour, and then it ended up not, I ended up not doing that. Um, but I was like, no, it's, it's 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 fine. And then to be fair, I must admit, I went into the game. Like everything happened, and um, like Liverpool have changed the Twitter account, and all these different things have been going on, and everything's been everybody's been happy and celebrating and everything. And I thought, 
we'll play City. I thought the right attitude before the game. We'll do like we'll we'll, we'll we want to go there. We want to win. And then watch watch the first twenty minutes. And I thought, oh my god, we're going to get absolutely hammered. Um, and like obviously, it probably I think Mares' disallowed goal would have made it five 0 I was like, oh, it was just. I mean, we had chances in the first twenty minutes. If we'd have scored them, it might have been a different game. But at that point, I was like. The game after City end up getting beat by South, and then you think, well, that's the reason why we won the league because City could, to be fair, City could beat us. City could beat us twice. We could not win at Old Trafford, and we could not win at Goodison Park. That's that's, that's ten points. You take ten points off us, and we can still get one hundred and one points off everybody else. Which see, I feel, yeah, but... I, feel, I feel like that would happen. That would that could quite easily happen again next year. We don't play well at Goodison Park. We definitely don't play well at Old Trafford. Um, and City could quite easily hammer us in the two games that they play against us, but City don't seem to be able to beat anybody else. I mean, there was, there was talk, because you're out of the Champions League now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we want nothing to play for that. There was talk of like Klopp sending all the like, key players on holiday early, weren't there? Yeah, they, I, think he, I think he'd mentioned about there was, a, there was a few different contrasting theories about what to do. So obviously, because the, there doesn't look like there's going to be too much of a... Um, a gap in between playing and I think the fact that they've delayed the African Cup of Nations has helped because like like Mane and Salah and Kaita would have potentially had a four week break or even less than that played a, played, would have played a season which for the first four months of next season would be fairly intense with like with no lead and then gone off in January and played the African Cup of Nations and not been with Liverpool for six weeks and then come back and carried on the season so that's obviously not happened this season but Klopp said he's not particularly doesn't really want to send anybody out. He doesn't. He wants everybody to finish the season. And he's even said with some of the kids, he's not just going to give the kids the the games to get enough to get a medal. He he, he wants to finish the season as he wants to carry on next season. So I don't know. We'll just have to we'll just have to kind of wait and see. But and then the circus has started with like Thiago Alcantara and stuff like that. Whether or not we're going to sign him, and that's going to happen in the next three days or whatever it is. So it feels like it's the end of the season anyway now. But I mean. But- I don't, I don't want to put rain on your parade, but I mean, did the City game not show that, you know, there are some frailties in that Liverpool squad. I mean, you know, when you, when you have to take Divock Origi, you think that is an issue? Absolutely. And I can't, I, I still, I, I kind of, I still don't get the team over anything. I think we missed out there. I said that to you before, to you two before on here, but I mean, what happens in the close season that I don't know. I think we've got the, our first eleven is is, is amazing. We've, I think we've spent Liverpool spent a lot of their spare money that they've got in tying everybody down. I think Liverpool's I think Liverpool's wage budget is is more than Manchester City's. So we've tied everybody down to relatively big contracts. I think for the next three or four years, I don't think apart from apart from Vinaldum, I don't think there's anybody with a contract that runs out at the end of next season. I think it's the season after that, and then even then, I think it's Van Dijk and Allison, and they're talking about giving them two new contracts. So there's they've they've kind of built this eleven. And then they've given it probably a couple of years for everybody to happen. So I, I would expect next season that Kaita would be better. I mean, Minamino's not really made that much of an effort. So if, if they come on as, as much as Fabinho and, and, and I would say Robertson did after the first six or nine months, and actually we've got a relatively decent squad to go into next season. The problem we've got is we don't seem to... Our, if Joe Gomez doesn't play, Joe Matip gets injured every three games and Dejan Lovren doesn't deserve to play in the Premier League. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he and him and David Louise, like just a just a pair in, in, in and to themselves. So, 
Um, but I don't see us. I mean, this Thiago thing's come out of nowhere. Could we do with another midfielder that can that can be a bit more creative than what we've got? Absolutely. So, if anything, that sounds like a no-brainer. Um, he's only twenty-nine. £30 million pounds doesn't seem like a lot for. Her. But then we turned down a twenty-four-year-old, forty-seven million pound striker who's scoring twenty, thirty goals a season in Germany. So. If they don't want to buy anybody, Liverpool won't buy anybody. But at the same token, if if, he, if Klopp wants somebody and the and the, the and FSG are willing to do it, then we'll go out and spend seventy million on a goalkeeper, seventy five million on a defender. So I don't think anybody can really complain with where we are. And next season is going to be next season. If we don't have if we don't have people in the stadium for the first half of the year, then there isn't going to be an awful lot of income from whether it be corporate, from whether it be anything else. So, well, I've seen we'll them. Just, uh, it, it, I mean, you'd hope people like Curtis Jones, Harvey, Harvey, whatever he's called, Elliot, Elliot will uh, will sort of kick on a bit, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, they'll, they'll, the likelihood is they'll get more game time. But like I said, the new season will probably be that he'll play the same team. Champions League won't start until September. It might even start a bit later than that. So I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. But that, I've said to you two more than enough that there have been occasions this year where we've been really lucky in games too. To go to when we played our first twenty nine games to win twenty eight of them, um, we were it's, some of it is we some of it we've been great. Other times we have been absolutely lucky, like the game against Villa where we scored in the last minute. There was yeah, time. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a game that really pinpointed that you were probably going to win the title when you went to Sheffield United and won. What tough we're... place to go. <laughs> tough, tough place, place to... to go. If you're going to win the league, you've got to go for our <laughs> lane and win there. <laughs> Oh, when, it, and, when it went, and you managed it, didn't you? No, oh. Only the very best teams get. <laughs> yeah. what, so, what were your expectations at the start of the season, Cheesy? Well, after losing, after losing the lead by a point, I was like, I, I just can't. I think it just depends how we play. I didn't think City would be as bad as they were, but then obviously the port gets injured and. They've got a big hole in their defence for the best part of five months. So but this is what I mean. This is what gets me like similarities with Liverpool and City. If say Laporte got injured, he was out for ages. So if you would have had the same Van Dyke, oh absolutely, yeah, you're the fact, back you, the in the fact... same. But like, I, I don't feel like any of the. I don't feel like City or Liverpool. They've got like real strength in depth. I know they've got big squads and they've not got they're not bad players. But there are key people in them players that you lose one of them, you could see. Lots of things crashing down around. Well, you, you, I mean, you, you, I mean, if you watch the City game, you can see how bad Robertson was, and that carried on, and that carried on really until probably sixty minutes against Villa, when um, it was only when Henderson and Van Alden came on, and he had some protection for him being able to go forward. But he was, he's been, he was in no man's land, no man's land for about a, a game and three quarters. He just, I just didn't understand what he was doing. City looked like they'd worked. Foden looked like he completely worked him out. Um, he was just running around the place, charging after this, that, and everything. Um, and it, it will happen. There'll be times where we just don't play very, well. and that's happened in seasons before when it's mattered, when we've needed to win games that we just don't turn up. I mean, the game at Goodison Park, the game at Old Trafford is 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 a, is a massive highlight. We don't play Saleh, plays Divock Origi, and we were garbage. We were absolutely awful. And the fact that we managed to get away with a draw um, that early on in the season was probably something that we thought well. Actually, we have not played very well here, and we've got we've got a point. At least we've not been beat. Um, do you do you think you'll be able to maintain? Like, because obviously two seasons in a row now, you've had ridiculous standards. It's obviously very unlucky last season not to win it. You've won it this season. 
Do you think you'd be able to do it at third season? Because that's a tough. I don't know. I'd I'd love to say I'd love to. I can't see that. I can't see that eleven playing so many games. I mean, to be fair, Allison's been injured and has been uh, has been. Um, I don't think he played for the first ten games of the season. Um, but like Van Dyke plays all the time, Alexander Arnold plays all the time, Mane and Salah never injured, Firmino's never injured, Fabinho I think picked up a bit of an injury in the middle of the, but he only missed a couple of games. So I, I don't know, there's, there's going to be a point where it's, it's, it's going to start to fall apart and it's the same with when Klopp was at Dortmund, like they were what, the, the, year, the year after he left, they were, the, the year before he left, they were, in the, they were bottom of the league. So there does become a point where you think it's not necessarily going to implode, but that I mean, I'm, they always say, don't they? Like the time to strengthen your squad is when you're on top, isn't it? That's the time when you, you've got to keep things fresh. So I know you, you didn't sign many people last season, did you? I kept it. We did. I don't think we signed. I think we signed. I, I think we signed Minamino last season. Yeah, it was only uh, Kiana Hueva for like four or five million pounds or something like that. There wasn't anybody. Can't really remember the last big signing that we made. That's what I mean. So unless you really like going to this summer and you even make some bigger signings, and like it doesn't look like. Well, unless the Thiago Alcantara comes through, like we're missing out on Timo Werner. So he's either going to spend in the transfer market, which at the minute doesn't seem like that, or he's going to press the first team with the kids, isn't it? Because otherwise, you, you can't just keep expect. You can't. I don't know how you keep motivating the players to keep performing that standard without having some level of competition within the squad. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think somebody coming in will will, will be a, a big benefit. I mean, whether it is another central midfielder, but we do need a bit more creativity in midfield. So, but I don't know. Just, just is Thiago going to come and start every game? He ain't going to want to come and sit on the bench as a as a twenty nine year old. I mean, I um, think the Thiago thing's a red herring. I, I've seen him in link with. I think he's in a contract negotiation with Bayern Munich. I think, there's a I lot just, of stuff coming out from Bayern Munich. They said he's going to leave. So I think it's is it yeah. him and David David uh, Alaba or something like that. that yeah. Out of contract, and they basically, I think, I he think wants... their agents are trying to just basically sort of test the water a bit, aren't they, and, and drive up the the weekly, they can, drive up whatever offer they can get out of Bayern Munich. But this is, I think, that happened with because uh, it came out straight after the game with um, City, and it was the same again when we'd lost the Champions League final to Real Madrid. Like within like a three hours or something, we were potentially signing Fabinho, and then the day after he'd signed. So. I kind of thought that actually Liverpool do a Liverpool have done a lot of their business and Klopp doesn't talk about transfers and Liverpool are quite good at the minute at keeping stuff under the radar and they just kind of appear in like within forty eight hours. But yeah, this generally, like this feels like it's gone on so far. Generally, the teams that do good transfer business, you don't hear about the transfers until they've actually happened, do you? Yeah. Or when you hear about the rumours, nine times out of ten they don't happen, do they? That's the. And everybody's saying Liverpool don't, Liverpool haven't signed a like FSG will not sign a twenty nine year old. They just won't do like well, however good of an opportunity it might be, they won't sign a twenty nine year old because it just doesn't it doesn't make sense for the model that they that they want to fit. So of course in an in an alternative universe, uh, Thiago is going to be David Moyes' first sign at Manchester United. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows how things could have worked yeah, out? Yeah, remember that <laughs> when we had, when we ended up signing Fellaini instead. <laughs> After his After release his clause yeah. expired, so he could million. pay more. Yeah. <laughs> oh, back in the great days of Man United. Eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what, if, you what, miss, what? if you miss out on Thiago, cheesy, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> you you might have four or five bad years, but then. <laughs> 
Yeah. I'd look, I think I think I'd like well obviously I'd like to win I'd like to win I'd like to think that we might be at while while we're on top we might be able to win a couple more and get to 21 and get and 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 like get the most and win the league the most times out of anybody but I mean to win the league another couple of times in the next couple of years is going to be it's going to be some feat but then it's the same thing what what is going to happen like what is going to happen to Manchester City next year can right. I just say, Cheesy, there's, there's two people who don't want you to win the league and get to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more than two. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think it all seems a bit, it all seems a bit, I think even since it came back, I think, I've, I've been really honest, when, when, when the lockdown thing happened, I knew the football was coming back and there wasn't going to be another void. I was kind of already thinking that we won. It's not like last season where, we could have won the league on the last day, but it went down to the last game. Ultimately, we won the league with seven games to go. So it wasn't, I didn't think that we were going to throw it away that monumentally that we were going to lose seven games in a row and then not win the league. But um, I mean, I, I kind of just, I did get hopeful when you drew against Everton. But we, I, I mean, like I've said, I've said to you already, like teams that have come back and have just not kicked like Bournemouth, even though they've got players back, like Leicester. I, I was just panicking that it's all gone wrong. Like they've just lost the mojo. They've not. They're not. They're not playing very well together. Um. So I would. Would I don't know. We'll just have to. Just have to. Anyway, let's move on to the big news of the week. Simon, you bought a house. I'm a man of property, mate. Yeah. 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 My home. We got the. Uh, we got the keys last. Last Monday. Last Tuesday. And uh, yeah, I, I. I just hugged the walls for a bit. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's a slightly overwhelming feeling once it happens, and uh, because of coronavirus, it's taken so long. And it, you know, it just sort of seems to be constantly, oh, just about to happen, and then it does happen. So yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, so I've, I've stripped a lot of wallpaper uh, since we last spoke, and uh, yeah. yeah, shuffled a few things around. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, I've dab at the old wallpaper stripping, and uh, we've been removing some paint from um, from the staircase. We bought this like heat gun thing for it, so that's that's a bit of fun. I'm, I'm pretty good on that. So, who's so when you've removed all the what? Are you playing on what? Are you wallpapering? You're just painting. So, re, so Blinder's dad's replastering it as we speak. Well, not as we speak, but at, at the moment. And then, yeah, just paint over it. I think. Just I'm uh, just thinking a Liverpool flag is what I'm going to paint on the living room as a <laughs> as a tri- as a homage to. Uh, <laughs> To the great season they've had, Jesus. yeah. Hey, don't, don't get me to come round. Don't, uh, don't ask me. To pay. Right. Who's 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 the creative one? Who's who's the one driving the project? Who's the one with all the ideas and inspiration? Is it you or Belinda? I've contributed nothing. I'm, but I will tell you what, I'm good at. I'm good are you at. Not, are you not walking around looking at all the soft furnishings? No, no, I've not got my. Uh, I've not got my. <laughs> you don't know how excited Belinda is about going to Boundary Mill. <laughs> that's a that's a very cheap post lockdown day. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not great. I've not got a great vision for it. I'm, what I'm basically quite good at is once you've set me a simple task like removing some wallpaper, you can, fo- you can follow some instructions quite put well. Put me in a room with a yeah. <laughs> Just say here's a pot of paint that wall be bread. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, so I've not had uh, many great ideas. Uh, uh, but to tell you what, a sort of side note that I, because I've always been in rented accommodation, and it's obviously always sort of been furnished. 
So I've never really had to think about any of this stuff before. But there's just so much stuff going on when you buy a house, isn't there? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like Belinda was asking me like my opinion on uh, bedside tables the other week, and it, it struck me I don't have any opinions about bedside. Like, <laughs> I've just my entire adult life, I've just had whatever bedside table is is next to the bed in the rent in the flat that I'm renting. Well, you. This is the problem I have is I like generally don't like I like things when they look nice, but I can't really be bothered going out and looking for them and finding nice things. But Claire really has no interest in it all either. So unless <laughs> I drive it, we don't go out and really get anything. So I'm always, like, we, like, we don't have loads of, like, I don't like knickknacks in our house. But I always think, oh, well, I wouldn't mind a few knickknacks. Like, you know, if, like, Claire was forceful and bought something. Yeah. She just, she just doesn't care about it either. So we just don't <laughs> buy these things. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we bought a, we bought a bed. And, um... We went to um, Dreams in uh, in Bolton, and they had the they had this machine that you you lie on it and then oh, it's it analyze. Like... Yeah, <laughs> I really enjoyed it, and it sort so, of like undulates underneath you, and then it tells you the exact type of bed that you like. So, what did you, is it, does it tell you? Soft, medium, firm, and all that. Uh, but yeah, but it was more. It, I uh, so I came out with me and Blinda. Luckily, both came out with. A medium to firm. Well, it's like, it's like a rating system out of five, isn't it? Sounds yeah. like uh, sounds like the horse racing, good to soft. Yeah. <laughs> and then they they were like, so they sell like half and half beds. So you could buy like a double bed that was like half medium, half firm, or something like that. Oh, they, uh, they sound expensive. Yeah. Well, so what we did was having had a go on the fancy machine, he then talked us through a few. We found the one that we liked, and then we went home and bought it on the internet for a bit cheaper. I was going to say, how, after you put it on the machine, did you feel really obligated to buy well, something from them? The, the trouble was, he was a really nice guy as well, and I thought, <laughs> I bet he gets paid commission. And I, I sort of almost what it's like, he, I'm sorry. He probably had it. to pay 50 quid himself to crank <laughs> the machine up. <laughs> I, remember, I, I remember when we went, like, ages and ages ago, I found it really uncomfortable watching somebody lie down on a bed. And then it just it stood there like this just feels really it weird. Makes, it makes a very unflattering 3D image of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. I mean, we haven't bought any mattress for years. Probably need one. And they are quite expensive, though, mattresses, aren't they? Yeah. It's just something that I just never think to buy a new one of. Unless there was a spring poking out of it. I don't think I'd ever think to buy a new one. Well, we had, when we had when we bought this house was obviously when Grayson was born. When Esme was born, we lost our like almost walking wardrobe because we just had a room that just had, was just full of junk. But then the junk had to disappear and because it had to had to house a child in it. So then we had to bring everything into our room. So then we had to get a smaller bed. And it, I can't wait. It, it, whenever we move out of the house, the thing I'm looking forward to is buying a bigger bed. Oh, uh, yeah, like. We've for the last like year, me and Claire have been saying we need a king size bed because as soon as the kids get in the bed, like you, you just got no like I'm pretty much falling out. There's no point. As soon as the kids decide they're getting in the bed, game over. You're waking up, <laughs> you're getting out of bed, no chance. But I think if we have like a king size, I might have a chance of still getting some sleep. And now I'm thinking three kids as well. When Jack's big enough, oh, it's going to be an absolute nightmare. 
Was it, I think it was about, I think it was in the middle of lockdown. Grayson was, he just couldn't get to sleep one night and he came to sleep with us. And I was like, this is too hot in this room now with three people in this bed. So I just got out of my bed. I went and slept in his bed. And I was and like, I, was, I just. You know what, also, I think, you know, when sometimes you go like, you go on group holidays, like with other couples, and there's always a room, like there's always like a few double beds and then there's one room that's got two singles, isn't there? I always think, you know what, I wouldn't mind a single bed on my own for a night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why you share a bed like why is that a concept I don't understand why you put yourself like because double beds are not generally big enough and it, if someone tosses and turns in the night that wakes you up single bed you don't have that issue do you it's all down to you and your comfort you're not relying on someone else being comfortable someone else being asleep I used to question why when you when you hear about these older couples and they say, Oh yeah, we sleep in separate rooms, or we sleep in separate beds. I was like, Oh, don't sound like you like each other anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> the longer I've been with Claire, the more I thought that makes total sense, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> well surely what you want is you don't want to you want two double beds, don't you, really? Well, yeah, I, think, I, think, I think I think a double bed to yourself is one of one of life's great joys. Well, you know what I've always tried to sell to Claire is, um, you know, like the hospital beds where you can adjust the feet and the head so you can sit upright and stuff. What, like a recliner bed? Yeah, but, you know, older people have them, don't they? <laughs> where you get, in a, you get in a comfy position so you can raise your legs, but you can have double bed ones that are independent. And I've, I've tried to sell that to Claire many times. I thought that would be a great idea. Because <laughs> you could just, oh, I fancy my feet up for a bit, no. Fancy my feet down. No, sit up a bit, read a book. No, go down. I just think it'd be a great thing. Talk, and talking what, about talking about mod cons for um, for older people. I saw an advert the other day that you can have a lift put in your house. What like are you thinking lift. about it? I, I thought it's a genius idea. It's an absolute genius idea. But a whole a whole lift would be quite. That'd take up a lot of space. Surely one standard stair lift. It was like a. It was. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't like a proper, like a proper lift that you. It was just like a small tube that you just kind of stood on, and this platform just kind of raised you up. And it, it was just a very. I remember. I thought. So like, take me out. I was just what? Yeah, exactly. Exactly like. This. Does it come with Paddy McGuinness? Just yeah. at the bottom. <laughs> Let cheesy see his breakfast. <laughs> the cardboard cart must be optional. <laughs> You, you walk past like a motion voice box and it and it and it talks to you and it, so you could just get one of them, I suppose. Get a big Paddy McGuinness on your wall and just have one of them um, motion boxes that that when you pass it, it starts to talk to you, Paddy McGuinness. When I was a kid, my my bedroom at my parents was like directly above the kitchen, so I used to think it'd be mint if I had a like fireman's pole. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, I that was my... I mean when I, I want... when I look on social media and you see. Some people have got half stairs, half slides, haven't they? That'll go down. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that'd be a good idea. Like a Wallace and Gromit type thing where your bed just raises up and you just fall straight <laughs> through the floor. And straight. Straight, straight your arms up and you're dressed. Yeah. Oh, you could, yeah. I mean, you, had the, you, had, you could have the, the, um, the slide really steep like you had at Alphabet Zoo, couldn't you? <laughs> oh, the death slide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd wake you up in the morning. That would wake you up, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, right, should we should we talk about some football? Yeah, I mean we we I know I know Liverpool don't play very good football, but we did speak <laughs> about them for quite a while, Jesus. Well, we'll talk. Well, how about we talk about Manchester United for a change? A team that is a team that is playing some good football at the minute. 
Yeah, that'll definitely make people stay tuned for, for Manchester United talk. That's good thinking. Yeah, yeah. they will do. Uh, we'll have a break and we'll be back straight after this. Uh, welcome back to the Three Thirds Mike, One Third Scouts podcast, where we're going to start uh, the second part of this with, as Ross describes it, Bruno Fernandes, Mason Greenwood, loving. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a great restart to Premier League football for United. I mean, I wasn't, wasn't after the Tottenham game. I thought, oh, maybe we're a bit ring rust there. But since then, poof, we've been pretty good. Do you think, Simon? Oh, I'm absolutely loving it, mate. <clears throat> I remember earlier this season, we went to the Bluebell pub, we watched United-Arsenal. <laughs> I, was, I was convinced that was the worst Manchester United squad of my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, you had, had one player in January and you get Pogba back from injury and all of a sudden, there's <laughs> so many options. We seem to be brilliant. And uh, yeah, you know, I think the break came. But I mean, to be fair to United, they, they had obviously just got that win against Manchester City before the breaks, who were in good form. But I think time for Rashford and Pogba to come back from injury. I think the break has sort of worked out quite nicely. I think we've been really good since we've come back. We've, and, and, you know, a big issue, we've had sort of quite a good run of games in terms of the fixture list has been quite kind to us. But they're exactly the sort of games we weren't winning sort of earlier this season. You know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it, you know, United have been good in big games while Ole's been in charge. And, you know, they'll be able to sort of sit back and play on the break, but they've not really been able to break down teams when they've sort of sat behind the ball against us. But all of a sudden, you know, we just look like we've got options and there's lots of chances that can be a goal scorers. Mason Greenwood is in brilliant form at the moment. You know, all the talk goes to sort of the likes of uh, Ben uh, of Foden and Jaden Sancho. Well, I think Green, uh, Greenwood's sort of the young English attacker who's really lighting it up at the moment. Yeah, I mean, well, I think, what was it now, 15 unbeaten under Solskjaer, which I think is uh, a record, isn't it? And then, well, it's the longest, the longest Solskjaer's had. I'm not saying it's a record, that's, that's wrong. But it's <laughs> the longest run we've been unbeaten under Solskjaer. And then, but it's like, even positive things like uh, Martial's hat-trick is the first one since Alex Ferguson, which I think, gosh, that's a long time, isn't it? That we've, no one scored a hat-trick. And then the win against Bournemouth scoring five at home is the first time we've done that in four or five seasons as well. So, yeah, it's like you say, just getting Bruno Fernandes and Pogba back fit, all of a sudden we look, you just think things are going to happen here. When you, when you see the team sheet, you see Fernandes and uh, Pogba playing together, you think, oh, well, there's got to be, something's going to happen in this game. There's two very creative players. And they just seem to suit quite well. I mean, the fact that Pogba likes coming a bit deeper than Fernandez means that they're not. I mean, one of the big worries for me before Fernandez and Pogba were playing together that they would both be trying to be finding the same positions and occupying the same space. But they seem to suit each other really, really well and play really, really well off each other, which is only a positive going forward for United. I mean, the only thing I would say as a negative, once. Once you see the substitutions come on, and I have nothing against McTominay, nothing against Fred, nothing against like because they've been great all season. Fred's really come on, and McTominay's come on. But as soon as you see them come on, you think, "Oh, we're not going to create as much now." Like it, it almost the, the excitement levels drop. If you know what I mean. Who's been playing as the six? Who's been playing with Fernandez and Pogba? 
Well, Matic has, Matic, Matic yeah. has just signed a new contract as well. So he's had a contract extension um, down to his recent form. So he seems to be the one that's getting the nod in terms of the one that's sitting well uh, in front and allowing Popper and Fernandez to go and do what they do. But as, as, like, as much as I said, a negative is that McTominay and Fred come on and you realise the creativity drops. You do feel like now, like you said, uh, Simon, that the, the lower half of the table is the teams that we were struggling with. It seems like now we have options. So, say we were playing City or Liverpool tomorrow, I feel like we'd put out McTominay and Fred and then play Fernandez or Pogba and we'd have a team that would be able to sit back and counter on the break and do some damage. And then when we're playing the lesser teams at home that would normally sit back, we've got option. We can change the team around and suit it to do that. So, whereas for a couple of seasons, we all seemed a bit one-dimensional and plan, plan A, plan A, plan A. Now you feel like, oh... We've got a decent squad and not necessarily depth in terms of if Fernandez goes, I would be worried in terms of how much creativity we've got. But we've got depth in terms like kind of a broad range of abilities and skills that can suit different match situations. So we're not just constantly flogging a dead horse. And if we can't do that, we can't do that. So like if Martial, Martial Rashford and Green would play then against the lesser teams and against bigger teams when we might need uh, a bigger guy to hold it up up front, a Gallo can come on. We've got those, we've got the range of skills as opposed to just having the same type of player, which for too long it seemed to, that's what United seemed to have. We didn't seem to have Fred had come off and McTominay come on. It all seemed to be very same. But now we seem to be in a really good place. And it, like I said, I'm, I mean, it's been a few seasons, but I'm excited to watch United play again, which is, feels good. Yeah, one, one of the, one of the things that was one of the th- what you mentioned before, Simon, about the big team, the teams at the top half of the table. I think that was was that stat that United have taken more points off teams in the top half of the table. I think they've taken thirty points off teams that they played in the top half of the table this year than I think sixteen in the bottom half. So you think if, even if you, that was just corrected by maybe another fifteen points, then you're you're almost you're almost second in the league. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, yeah, it's really exciting, and hopefully it'll be able to to count. I don't know. Oh, sort of set us up for a fail now, and they'll probably have a terrible end to the season. But yeah, I think that's that has been the big boost for us. I mean, the thing is, like, looking at the table though, we've we've lost less games than City. This you're season. only you're only eleven points behind City, aren't you? Yeah, I know. It, well, our uh, front. The front three, uh, Greenwood, Martial and uh, Rashford scored more than um, Liverpool's front row. Yeah. 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 I mean, what I would say is, if you look at you look at the results as well, We've draw, I think we've drawn 10 games. And I always look at the draws as the kind of the games. Like, you lose games, you lose games. I think if you lost the game, you've lost the game. You've not scored, or the other team scored more than you. You don't really look at that. But I always think, you've drawn a game. If you could have created one more chance, one more this, then that's two extra points. We draw, we would have won two of them games. We're comfortably sitting in, well, we're not comfortably sitting in, but we're sitting in third with a get like a point, an extra point, like quite ahead. So I always think like if we would have, I'm, from all accounts, Fernandez was available in summer, but we didn't go for him. I do just think looking back, if Pogba, I know he's a bit temperamental and how injured he was all the way through the beginning of the season, but if Fernandez would have been there and would have been able to provide that spark, I'm not saying we would have challenged for the title or anything, but I don't think the gap would have been as big as as big as it is. 
And like I mean, certainly looking forward to next season. Out of all the teams like uh, us, Leicester, Chelsea, that seem to be vying for this top four space after City and Liverpool, I think United are favourites to be closer to City and Liverpool than any other team going forward. I don't know what anyone else thinks. Oh yeah, protect- oh, I mean. Chelsea have looked good, to be fair, uh, since since the restart, and you know it looks like they've they've signed players. They've already signed. Um, they signed a guy like just after the January transfer window, didn't they? That is Hakam Zivic. Yeah, and then right. they, you know they, they signed this guy that was going to go the German guy that was getting heavily linked with Liverpool. So I think Chelsea will be better next season as well. It looks like they'll they'll push on, but yeah, I mean I, and. You know, we were speaking earlier about whether or not Liverpool will be able to do it again next season. I think a big thing will be that City, Chelsea, and United will all be better, and probably Arsenal will all be better next season. Um, yeah, I no, mean, uh, yeah, I think one of the things we've, we've saying that Chelsea have bought, yeah, I agree they've bought, and they've seemed to have bought two very good players because obviously you can't argue with Werner's um, record in the Bundesliga and Hakam Zivic when he was that. Um, yeah, when Ajax went really far in the Champions League, he looked great in that. But there's always that, you never know how they're going to do in a foreign country, in a new league. I mean... It's always going to be time to I, adjust. I, It'd be very... I won't imagine he's going to hit the ground running, either of them. No, I know. And this is this is what... This is my point. You, I mean, you can say on paper they look like fantastic signings, but you just don't know until it's actually happened. Because I remember, like, back in the day when... Um, when Chelsea signed Torres, and I was thinking, oh, Chelsea signed Torres here because they're going to absolutely walk the league. And then you think as well, when um, Chelsea signed Shevchenko, so you think, oh, he got an absolutely fantastic striker there. Like, he bangs him in, and it just doesn't work. So, I mean, I feel confident that we've got our settled squad. I mean, Chelsea really has been a graveyard for brilliant strikers, hasn't it? Because Morata never came off, Higuain. Yeah. Crespo. So that's what I'm saying. So you can look at Werner. Yeah, Werner's got a fantastic record at the minute, but you put him in Chelsea and all of a sudden it goes wrong, doesn't it? I mean, were you worried when uh, when Torres uh, left Liverpool to go to Chelsea, Cheesy? Or were you just delighted because you knew Andy Carroll was going to bang him in? <laughs> uh, no, I was, I, was, I was probably not as upset as I thought I was going to be. I think by the, by the time he got to the end, I think he was... <laughs> Just down to them with left, but there we go. I still, I still think that Andy Carroll. I still, I've, I've said this before, and you've really, you've really said this before. But I, Andy Carroll's a great buy at the time. In, in hindsight, absolute garbage. <laughs> in hindsight, absolute garbage. But uh, I mean, I, I can't believe you're still peddling that opinion. To be honest, <laughs> I mean, not not so much Ben Teke, but uh, I think yeah. It just, just didn't turn out very well. Similar to the rest of the strikers at Chelsea and Bordeaux, not turned out particularly well. But- I mean, just looking forward, Simon, to the tran- transfer window. Obviously, you like going ahead. You've been, I wouldn't say critical, but you've aired some concerns about Wan Bissaka's ability going forward. Would you well, want to sign another right back or? No, I think they've. Co- I think you've got to commit to Wan Bissaka. And- you spent fifty million pounds on him. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think he has. He does. It is an issue that he he doesn't produce enough. I mean, he actually has got a few assists recently, but he's he's very good defensively, and I think he is young and he's clearly sort of committed. And I think you've sort of got back that he'll get better. 
And um, and I, I sort of believe in like trying to improve players a bit as well. I think you know the sort of Jose Mourinho approach of just just ditching them if they're not, <laughs> you know, sign, sign me a twenty eight year old superstar uh, and ditch him if he's not good enough. I prefer the sort of I prefer Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to go around the the, the club Guardiola. Well, let's improve these players approach. So I, I wouldn't sign any. And I actually, with sort of Brandon Williams around and with. Um, Obviously, Luke Shaw, I think he does quite well at left back. And also, there's another, there's a, is he called Ethan Laird? And yeah, he's sort of getting quite highly talked of in the youth team. So, my instinct would be to not, to sort of to stick with the full backs we've got. I think one of the one of the problems with Juan Bissaka is, like, I agree, he probably could get more assists. Like maybe Luke Shaw could get more assists. But I think you look at Alexander Arnold and Robertson and what they do at Liverpool. And I think they play in a system that, I, like, it's it, not centred around them, but is very heavily based around them, for their full-backs pushing on. And I know Alexander-Arnold's Alexander got a wand of a right foot and Robertson can whip it in with the best of them. But I think, like, you look at Wan-Bissaka and Luke Shaw, they're not doing, like, five years ago, I don't think you'd be that bothered about their attacking out. Do you know what I mean? I think Alexander Arnold and Robertson have really like pushed up the standards of what's expected from like a top level fullback. But I think I think we play slightly different systems. And I think at the time, what United needed was a good, solid defensive base in order to push forward and allow Rashford, Martial, and the other creative players to do things. So, but yeah, we play, the midfield dictates how Liverpool play, and the midfield dictates how United play. So, like. If you put Pogba and Fernandez in Liverpool in Liverpool's team and ask them to ask the fullbacks to bomb on, I don't I don't see Fernandez and Pogba filling in for at right back. Yeah, and Nicket, 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 yeah, that's what I mean. Whereas, that's what I'm saying. Whereas so. Henderson and Vinealdum, that's that's the bread and butter for them. Henderson will just cut in at left back and he needs to and Vinealdum will just help out at right back. That's why when those two players came on on Sunday, we were a completely different team. It was just it felt like there was a bit more confidence there in in the team for that to happen. But you're right. Not I think it's, sometimes it is a little bit unfair on Wan Bissaka that he does get um, he just gets compared. just compared. Yeah, it's, just I, it's just, just I think it's just unfortunate the way that's happened. I don't. I mean, I, I think I said to you, I don't think I don't think he's fifty million pounds worth of a right back. But is he one of England, is he one of the best right backs in the, we've had in the league for for a long, long time? And yeah, he probably is. Yeah, but, but I always I always say you say that he's not fifty million pound worth a right back. It, it, market value, I think market value is irrelevant these days. It's what that player's worth to that team at that time. And Wan Bissaka is exactly what United needed at that time. We needed a good, solid <coughs> uh, fullback who just wasn't going to get I don't, done I don't, each week. I don't know whether oh, yeah. one. I don't know whether one <coughs> Crystal Palace is enough to lay fifty million pounds. But I, I get that United needed to sort the back four out, and they needed to sign a right back desperately. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, it might turn out to be inspired. He might play for United for the next 10 years and £50 million turns out to be next to nothing. But I, I, it, was, it felt like a little bit of a punt to spend £50 million on a right-back from Crystal Palace. Well, one of the things I think that's... I think Oli is much more interested in the person when he's signing players than United have been with their sort of transfers in the last few years. Where I think they've sort of gone for what looks like a good player on the pitch and then... Maybe Memphis Depay wasn't quite as bought into what was required to become a you know, talented player, wasn't as committed to driving himself to be the best he could be. I think United now sign people thinking, yeah, he's good, but he wants to, you know, and I think Wan Bissaka sort of got that attitude of he wants to make himself the best player he can be. 
But I mean, he need look. He needs to improve, and, and I think if you're going to play for Manchester United, then you're going to be compared to the best right backs in the league. You know, you should be trying to be the best right back in the league. Oh no, I totally and, agree. But what uh, I also think is, if you think you know, how United had to play at the start of the season in terms of we were sitting back and trying to catch on the counter, that's that's that doesn't suit a fullback in terms of their attacking output, does it? Yeah, I mean, what I'd like to see from United in the transfer window is like quality over quantity. I think it's you know it's it's not about signing three or four players like they did last summer, but I think you know maybe getting a top quality centre half, maybe a holding mid, maybe a winger. Yeah, if they sign one centre half or one winger uh, in the in the transfer window, I'd be happy with that. Are you worried about the defence? I, I I think Lindelof is okay, but is a bit of a sort of holding. He's sort of holding that position, but he's not you know brilliant. Yeah, I think I think I think the best pairing would be Baye and Maguire. But I don't think by I don't you can't rely on Bailly because he's he's never fit. For so it's similar you know, like men. It's similar like Mendy at City at left back. You can't. You just can't have somebody who plays one out of every three games or one out of every four games because you can't like it centre half. You rely on a partnership being formed, don't you? And like you say, Maguire and Lindelof have been okay, but I think it's a bit one dimensional, isn't it? It's a, they're a bit similar. If you think like go back to Vidic and Ferdinand, they were. Complete opposites in terms of the Bidditch was the stick your head where it hurts kind of, and then Ferdinand was the the classy let's sweep things up and play out from the back. Whereas I think Lindelof and Maguire are a bit similar. So yeah, I mean the that Kula, Kula what's he called Kula Kula Bali Kula Bali. Yeah. Yeah, he's been talented. I don't know. He's been talented with City as well. And then there was that clip about Solskjaer speaking to Nathan Ake one day at the end of the game. Oh the game, yeah, which I thought I don't. I mean, everyone raves on Nathan Ake, but I've never like looked at him and gone, "Yeah, he seems he seems like what United need." But he doesn't. He doesn't. I mean, he definitely doesn't look like a forty. They paid they didn't, didn't pay forty million pounds for him, did they? Pay twenty. Oh, I, think, I, I think Chelsea have got. I think Chelsea have got first dibs on him. So I mean, I don't know whether Chelsea would want him back or not. But I think he's, he's not big enough. He's not I covering think... in glory at the minute, is he? No, I that's what I mean. I, yeah. You're not looking at Bournemouth and going, well, they're putting up a great defensive performance. They're just, they're just they're conceding goals left, right, and centre. They're not, they're in no way setting any form. So I just think if you're a centre half playing in that, you can't be. Well, if you compare that to what Van Alde, uh, sorry, what Van Dijk was doing at Southampton. Well, yeah, you know, but even even when you know, Maguire he, was at Hull, exactly, yeah, Hull they, weren't Hull weren't conceding <laughs> miles and exactly, yeah. miles. So there is possible to be. A great centre half at a small club and like still got down with the game, but you're still a great centre half. But I, don't, I just don't see it in Ake at all. Like for me, I, w- I would be very disappointed if United went out and bought him. To be honest. And then what about the goalkeeper? Uh, I think you give De Gea one more season. To be honest, and then you get Henderson in. This well, when you when we talked about this last time, I'd forgot how has De Gea just signed his contract extension, or was that last year or two years ago? Is that how how long has he got left on his contract? Oh, he's got ages left. I mean, it was it wasn't it was re, it was it wasn't very recently, but it was maybe last year or the year before. But he's and he's signed a long term contract, and I've, I've got a feeling he's the best. Well, definitely when he signed it, he was the best paid goalkeeper in the world. Um, yeah, around, there was a real big. He's on like three to keep him, wasn't he's, there? He's in a lot. He's in a lot of money, and I, I actually think that's part of the problem. I don't think anybody. With now, when 
he signed that contract. There was a few big clubs thinking we need a goalkeeper. You know, I think PSG was sort of in the market for a goalkeeper. Real Madrid were in the market for a goalkeeper. And Ander Gea was uh, looked like the best goalkeeper in the world. So United paid him, uh, you know, had, was sort of backed into a corner and had to pay him the most amount of money. And as it happens now, I don't think there are that many massive clubs that will be banging down the door to get David De Gea and pay his wages. You know, Real Madrid are pretty settled with Courtois. Uh, Barcelona got to Stegen. You think that's going to carry on for a while? PSG did sign a goal. Well, they've got Buffon, haven't they? And, you know, Neuer's still going strong at Bayern. And, you know, I, I don't think there's many big clubs around the world that are, are crying out to pay a lot of money to get David De Gea in. As it happens, so I don't think, I think United will actually struggle to get him off the wage bill unless he was prepared to take a pay cut somewhere. And I, so I think he will definitely be Manchester United's number one goalkeeper next season. Yeah, I think so. I think he'll be there next season. But then I think after that, you have to start. I mean, it's not, I mean, I hate you saying that because De Gea for four or five seasons was our best player by an absolute country mile and he was number one well, goalkeeper. Well, we were so bad as well. Yeah. So talking about, talking about moving on seems really, really harsh. But... He has not. He's been nowhere near the same keeper that he was. And I know his results have picked up and defensively have picked up, but I think that's more to the centre halves he's had in front of him than him as a as a goalkeeper. But I also think there's a real lack of competition for like Sergio Romero seems incredibly happy to be the number two. He never kicks up a fuss. He never seems to want to push on and be number one. It all just seems a bit comfortable for. De Gea really and there was even that time where he brought in his own who he wanted for goalkeeper coach wasn't there I can't remember who that was under yeah, but that but, seems to have stopped but I mean that was when he had a lot of power wasn't it I mean that was, yeah. it, it was, like United are probably a bit in a position to sort of stand up to him a bit more now I mean not I don't think he was a troublemaker David Gea but I mean there was always this thing I don't think his family have ever moved to Manchester no, and I think his he's, he's, his girlfriend or his wife doesn't like Manchester either. No, I'm pretty sure his wife and children might actually live in Spain. And, yeah, and, yeah. So he's sort of, I'm not sure how settled he ever has been, but you know, uh, yeah, I, I think he'll be our, he'll be first, he'll be United goalkeeper next season. I think Henderson will probably go back to Sheffield United, and then this time next year, well, beyond this time next year, whenever next season ends, I think there'll yeah, be a lot of beer. It'll be a real decision time for United, and I, I think and, you know it would be it'd be brilliant if United were able to bring through their own goalkeeper. Oh, yeah, have a local lad in there. That'd be. Well, Henderson looks like he could be England's goalkeeper for the next. I mean, he, I mean, a lot of people are arguing now whether he's probably better than Pickford already. Would you pick him over? I mean, the fact that the Euros have been delayed by a year opens so many doors for so many so many of the, of the younger kids who probably would have missed the boat this summer. Whereas actually, you play them another well, thing, and the England team could change dramatically. I mean, like we said, you think of you think of the England team next year. What if you got Sancho, Greenwood, Bakayo Saka? You got Phil Foden who's starting like post lockdowns, getting a run of games and looking really decent. All of a sudden, you've got you've got quite a few players, like you say, who wouldn't have got in this summer probably because it would have been too early. You wouldn't have been able to pick them based on pre lockdown form. But since then. Unbelievable. And then Greenwood, oh, he's, I mean, if I was Harry Kane, I'd be worried about, I know Kane's captain, but the way Greenwood's banging him in, he looks like you, you give him half a chance. The way he strikes a ball, left foot, right foot, 
like, like you said, Sarah, he, he's one of the... I know Foden looked good and everyone was banging on about Foden, but the way Greenwood hits a ball up front, you, you give him one chance and it's banging. Do you think there's anything in um, these young English players really thriving with no crowds? I think that's, well, we spoke about this, didn't we? Whether some some players would be helped or hindered by the lack of crowds. I do think, yeah, it probably helps because there's a real lack of pressure, isn't there? It's just going on. It's like it's almost like it's a reserve game because you get very little crowds there, would you? And you know, you make one mistake, the crowd out on your back. Yeah. So the step up is, although the standard is higher. Yeah, you're not you're not thinking and overthinking and overthinking that mistake that you've made. You can you probably can get over it quite quickly. Because I think Bukayo Saka's he's made, he's got, he's uh, behind only behind De Bruyne and someone else in terms of assists this season. Trent, yeah, yeah, which is incredible considering no one knew his name at the start of last season. Yeah, I mean I know it's sort of slightly different circumstances, but when like John Stones was coming through, you think, oh yeah, the the ball playing centre half that that England are crying out for. But you know, whenever he'd make any mistake, F1, all the crowd would just be, even the home fans are sort of on his back straight away. Yeah. And you think, well, that is going to knock his confidence, and suddenly he's going to like take the safe option next time. And you'd have the pundits all the time, so you just need to stick it in Rosehead because the crowd would have said it, it became a talking point. Whereas mistake, I, I do think, yeah, I do think mistakes happen now in games, and they're not highlighted as much because the fans don't. There's no fans to react to it, so they just pick up on other things. I think more sympathy for uh, for making mistakes. In front of, you know, that, that's the main reason we don't do this podcast in front of a crowd, isn't it? <laughs> they won't be able to hear us. They might be <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, our flair, cheesy. You're our flair player, and you wouldn't you wouldn't have the confidence to, to make this bold statement. No, I, I, I don't think I'd speak. It'd go from being ten minute monologues to one word answers. <laughs> No, no one would have the confidence to defend Andy Carroll at Liverpool in front of a live <laughs> Especially, Especially if somebody was staring at me. Liverpool shirt Maybe I've got it wrong. That's why, that's why Cheesy wanted to start the podcast in lockdown. Yeah. No prayer. I remember, when, I mean, the one, the one time we've done it, the one time we've done it outside, it was very much, I'm going to stay in this corner, just I'm going to cower away here. Keep, keep me in this <laughs> Don't put me in the middle of the garden. I'm just going to stay here. Constantly yeah. looking around to see if anybody's looking out the window at us. I'm like, I'll put me out, put me hood up. <laughs> but I th- I'm sure, I'm sure I read somewhere today about Arteta had mentioned that Arsenal seem to be playing better without at home without a crowd. So I, know, yeah, I, that. That, I mean, we should used to play in front of no one as well. <laughs> we should mention as well. Last time, last time we did the podcast. I very confidently said David Louise won't get a new contract at Arsenal. We don't <laughs> see him again. <laughs> oh, how how two weeks changes everything, doesn't it? Uh, it will probably become a part in the next, if they're not in the next five weeks, very early on in next season, where um, unless Arsenal end up signing a, another centre back, that they will come to regret that. I can't see, I can't see that decision turning around, and it, it will just rear its ugly head again in five to six weeks' time. Um, yeah. Mustafi, David, yeah. Louise don't don't change the spots. No, because of a, because of a global pandemic, do they? The end of either, the same. It'll either cost them a goal to get them in the in, to get them into Europe, or uh, it'll cost them a goal in the in the cup in the semi final of the cup. So that will just never that will just never work itself out. Hmm. 
You know, last one last thing before it sounds like we're coming to an end. Crick, does cricket start tomorrow, Simon? Well, yeah, it starts, starts on Wednesday. England versus uh, the West Indies. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's going to be very interesting. Finally, I've got a horrible feeling it's going to rain after all this waiting for, uh, for the cricket to come back. But yeah, they're in there. They're in this biosecure bubble. Um, they're playing in Hampshire. I think the first they're going to play two Test matches in Hampshire, and then to, in Man, and then they come to Manchester for a couple more. So yeah, very exciting. Uh, I think England have got a good chance of winning. Ben Stokes is going to be captain. So Joe Root is having, well, his wife is having a child. Uh, so he's going to be there for the birth of that. So Stokes is captain. Uh, whenever um, whenever uh, a sportsman misses misses like a match in whatever field it is because of the birth of a child, it always reminds me of Roy Keane. When he had, what was, it was the player that give, his wife would give birth and they were asking whether he's going to be at the game. He's like, well, he didn't give birth, did he? So, yeah, of course he's going to play. <laughs> yeah. At least Roy yeah. Keane's calmed down. At least Roy Keane's calmed down a bit now. Oh, he hasn't after that. Yeah. Yeah. You get David Deo back into top shape. And on that optimistic note, um, um, uh, by the time this podcast is on next week, we should we should know whether or not Manchester City are banned from the Champions League for next season. So I'll be, I suspect that will be the big talking point next week. I mean, I've got a horrible feeling they're going to get away with it. No, oh, I think it'll be. I, I, I can't work it out. City seems so confident that it'll just get completely squashed. I can't. Uh, somebody's going to end up losing face. You either UEFA are going to end up losing face on Manchester City, Aaron. It's, it's never done a. We'll probably won't hear the end of it by the end of this week. I would imagine it's uh, there'll still be there'll still be quite a lot to say, but it will be interesting to see whether it they stick to two years, they end up getting it to one year, or it just gets completely quashed. You feel like it because of COVID, and they've said that um, FFP will be diluted over the next year as well. That it might have been that that's what's end up saves Manchester City. We shall wait and see. We'll see. That'll be the final kick in the balls from COVID, that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it ends up, after all the havoc it's caused, it ends up helping Manchester City as well. Well, I mean, the thing, the thing you might not even need it. I mean, that's the worrying thing. <laughs> well, the way the Leicester are going, it, it might be that you don't even need it. But it, it, it might help. It might help the fact that Leicester have come back with such poor form that you know, he'll just breeze into, into fourth spot anyway. Oh, one thing, quickly before we go. Patrick Mahomes... Most oh. lucrative contract in sporting history. Incredible. I mean, I was going to send you this. I was meant to send you this last night, but we've got it gone eleven o'clock. So he signed a ten-year contract, very, very similar to the Alan Pardew uh, contract. <laughs> Which did one of you send send us this week? That to ended say recently. That? Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Um, so yeah, Patrick Mahomes has signed a five hundred million dollar um, contract. Over well, there. no, he'll, he'll earn a minimum of four hundred thirty-six million. For, That's a minimum over the next ten years. That's not bad financial security, is it? Absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, I did look at the list of there's there's someone tweeted the list of quarterbacks who also signed ten year deals. None of them went on to do great things. So <laughs> I think I hope it doesn't um, backfire for him. But I remember I was I'd read recently about because a lot of it was about Tom Brady like leaving the New England Patriots. There was a lot of talk about how much money he's actually made 
from being a quarterback in the last 20 years because both him and Drew Brees have, have made quite a lot of money. I think it's only 250 million, oh, wait, only, only $250 million. So Mahomes has already doubled that and, and will, have, will have played for 10 seasons uh, or 10 seasons less than, um, than Brees and Brady. It was just, just incredible. First half a billion, half a billion pound contract, which is just seems absolutely, absolutely daft to say. And then on, on top of all the endorsements that he will likely get after this, it was probably going to push him over a billion pound. I would have thought, which is just oof, some serious cash. There we go. Yeah, so that's what we'll, TK Maxx are off for you, aren't they? Cheesy to keep you up. <laughs> I might, I might, I might push, I might push it after eleven years. <laughs> oh, that's not I'm, I'm not wrong. I'll be diluting the contract. I need to ask for nine years. Don't I? <laughs> still, got the, still got the same money. We'll wait and see. Uh, right, we'll be back next week. We'll have obviously more Premier League, and uh, we will finally continue with our World Cup of Gold um, this week, and then we'll we'll carry that on next week. Uh, but have fun, boys, and I'll see you in a week. Yeah, Bye. see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Three Thirds Mank, One Third Scouse podcast. Give it a like, give it a share, and let us know what you think on Twitter at Mank3. That's at M-A-N-C-T-H-R-E-E. And keep listening for more new podcasts every week.